Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHK as I'm known, and whew, we got a lot to watch this week. As per usual, spoiler alert for everything we watched, and that includes The Mandalorian, the latest episode, and also spoilers for Star Wars Rebels and some of Clone Wars. Spoilers for Mank on Netflix, Sound of Metal on Amazon, Christmas Ever After, the Lifetime movie, and Godmothered on Disney+. And if you're wondering what some of these films or shows are, uh, you probably know what Mandalorian is, but Mank takes place in the 1930s in Hollywood, and it is the story of the writing of Citizen Kane by the screenwriter Herman Mankiewicz. And Sound of Metal is on Amazon Prime, and it is the story of a heavy metal drummer whose life is thrown into freefall when he begins to lose his hearing. Christmas Ever After. The description is sparks fly during Christmas time when a romance novelist meets a handsome man who looks like the leading character in her books. It stars Ali Stroker, who is a wheelchair user, which is part of the reason why we watched it, and, and partially because we love these ridiculous and absurd holiday films. And then finally, Godmothered, which is on Disney+, Plus, is a comedy, and I'll probably use that in quotes, about Eleanor, a young, inexperienced fairy godmother in training, who, upon hearing her chosen profession is facing extinction, decides to show the world that people still need fairy godmothers. Be sure to stay tuned after the main discussion, as there are a couple follow-up points that we discovered after we finished our main recording. And without further ado, here's We're Watching What? Chapter 14, The Mandalorian. How did we feel? I texted you both very frantically and said, watch it, watch it, watch it. Matt had already seen it by the time Friday morning. Yes, and then I got a sidebar. <laughs> yes, because I needed to say something. Yeah. I didn't get to watch it till after work, so I watched it Did anything it get night. spoiled for you? No, because I work when I'm at work. <laughs> I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I didn't actually check any social media during the time because I knew. Yeah, I, I was going to say I saw spoilers like the next morning, which was just like. So um, yeah, it was rough. I just happened. So I knew better. And then um, I did. So yeah, but I'm not OK. I, I am sad and worried <laughs> and finding myself thinking about Grogu all the time. I refuse okay. to acknowledge that name. Yeah. So yeah, we um, know that. <laughs> I just feel like. I'm just so worried about his safety and I don't really appreciate what happened at the end. I mean, I don't want to blame Matt, but I'm going to blame Matt because he did say this was a possibility that they would get separated mm -hmm. and now look mm -hmm. at what's happened. And I feel like you brought this on us. I probably did, but I also do think it might be for the betterment of the show, yeah. you know, because I too am worried, but I also feel like, you know, when we look at the narrative and if we were here and he's like, okay, he's, He's called other Jedi and, and maybe someone's going to maybe answer the re remaining two episodes. What are we just doing side missions again? You know what I mean? So it kind yeah. of feels like we've gotten to a point in the story where we kind of have to hit some sort of pinnacle like move. Right. And if it wasn't them getting separated, I don't know what it would be. I mean, someone could probably write something amazing, but I just don't know what it would be. I don't know. I'm worried, but at the same time, he was up there forever calling yeah. Jedi. And I just feel like the next episode... <laughs> And I just feel like the next episode, at least someone heard, someone heard, <laughs> like every, we're going to get a, all the force ghosts. We're going to get the whole, entire force is going to be there. It's going to be uh, a, just, there's a whole party like, Walker you called me. us here. Where, where yeah. are you? Yeah. Yeah. It's and so I feel like we're, we're getting, I, it was not my favorite episode overall. I did like that. It was not a side mission at all. So I think that also made it feel different in a way that almost was kind of jarring, but not necessarily in a bad way. But you know what I mean? Like no, most episodes, it's like, okay, help me with this and all, and then you can get what you want. But this was like, 
hey, we arrived. Like, they just pulled up, like, oh, there's that temple Ahsoka talked about on this planet. Good thing we found we it. We found it right away. And, yeah. Let's <laughs> yeah, just land. So let's happy land. That we, that we just got to land. And yeah, he's go. like, let's I just land like, oh. on it. And then he's like, oh, wait, can't get on it. So now we'll just have to walk up the hill. And I was like, okay, what's going to happen? You know, because we're just at this point where, okay, now we're just, the, for the first time ever in the show, we're just reaching our goal. Well, I like we didn't minutes. walk up the hill. We took a jetpack flight, sure. which was I know, he's adorable. All sorry, sorry, can't park, can't park on it. And it was like, well, what are you sorry for? You're gonna fly me up there anyway. <laughs> but no, I love the jetpack. I was yeah. there was a moment with the jetpack where he puts it down later. I was like, you know, he puts it down during their little sort of western standoff, and then he just never seems to retrieve it. And I was like, why? Why are you just leaving it yeah, there? It was weird. It's just so bizarre. His behavior in this episode was fairly bizarre to me. You try to get to the child once, and then when you get backfired by the force, when the force bitch slaps you back, you don't try again. You just figure you have to wait, and then you I mean, take a defensive stance. We're not sure if Mando is the brightest bulb in the box. Like, let's it's be true. honest. We, we have not seen one way or another wh- where his common sense yeah. lies. It's true. But until the dark troopers arriving at the end happened, it felt very like these two people. Obviously, he was familiar with her, because, and we knew she was dangerous and all this. But these two people arriving, it was suddenly like, oh, God, we got to go. Let's go, pull it, whatever. And it's like, it didn't seem like anything that he wouldn't have thought he could handle. So it mm-hmm. felt weird that he was just trying to, like, interrupt the baby from doing his process. Like, let the baby work. This <laughs> let is him what call you everyone in the force Rolodex. Like. You literally just told him to do this. Like, it takes time, you know? And so I thought it was a little weird. He was trying to retrieve him right away. And just because he saw, you know, Slave One arriving. And it was just, it was interesting. But, you know, I, I won't lie. I'm not. I'm not thrilled that it's Boba. Mm-hmm. As we discussed a little last week, I was I was on the Rex train now mm-hmm. hoping it was Rex. I'm not, not necessarily so sure it was. I thought it was Boba from the beginning. But I'm okay with it. But he's Boba's never been my favorite character. I will say after going through and doing all the Clone Wars stuff, I dislike Boba less. I don't dislike him, but I dislike his presence less after those shows than I did just from the movies. Because episode two felt so fan y in the first place that it was like, ugh. We have to bring Boba Fett into this. He was just a random bounty hunter and he happened right, to get yeah. on, you know, but what they've done with the bounty hunters and the guilds and stuff, it's, it's been okay. So I'm okay with well, it. I think but I'm Clone Wars is like the best fix it script of all time. Yes, it is. It really is. They went back and they just decided to try to write certain wrongs and try to close gaps and making Boba more of a character. I mean, he's not like huge in it, but you know, he's in it enough. And he's trying to, of course, avenge his father. And so it's interesting. I have questions, though. Like, he's presumably been on Tatooine all this time. And why didn't he just take the armor from what's-his-face, like, the whole time? You know? Yeah, <laughs> he right. He clearly and knew also, he had it. Yeah, Timothy to... Oliphant was not, like, a big challenge. To... Just take it. It also was yeah. bizarre that he needed to follow him there. To this yeah. Point. Like, why didn't he catch up with him when he was on... All this time. Um, Tano's else. planet. Yeah. Or, like, you know, there were so many yeah. other planets in between that he wasn't there shortly. He always had to perform some sort of task on each of those right. planets. So it's not like he was there not long. I mean, maybe it's because he was spending time rebuilding Robo Ming-Na Wen. That probably takes some amount of time. But also, <laughs> so. even if you go back to the reveal that that was him walking up to Ming-Na Wen in that episode, which I assumed at the end of that of season that must have been Gideon or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know who I thought it was. Honestly. I completely forgot that somebody came up to rescue her. Yeah, I I just remember it was like a, a yeah the foot when we saw the shot, but it was just like walking up at the very end. So I just thought, okay, she's probably not gone, mm-hmm. but wasn't sure. So now that we know it's him, why was he following Mando from the beginning in the first place? Like, why was he even there? Unless he was just out there randomly. Was that Tatooine? It was. That was Tatooine. So 
was maybe he just happened to be out there and he just saw her and came across her so that that would be okay but it felt very like he was already on this guy's tail and it's like he didn't have your armor yet so why do you care but maybe yeah it's it's a lot of convenient convergences i feel yeah just just for a service of kind of giving people getting yeah getting boba fett to that planet was silly it, it, it all was just in a service it felt to give people this big moment of boba fett finally having an actual action sequence that they always wished he had because mm-hmm. with how much of a cult you know figure he's kind of become in star wars mythos you would think he was some huge part of the films and he's not so i am one who if i happened to love boba fett i would have been sitting there probably getting my entire life so i'd be i can't i'm not complaining in that way but it did feel a little kind of weak as far as these connections they are making it seems like the silliest one so far yeah i i I get the sense that there's going to be some sort of greater reasoning that they'll probably you know retroactively explain as to why he's been on their tail the whole time i was a little bit excited to see ming Wen just because one i love her and two we we've talked so many times about you know we met all these characters season one where were they going and now we're getting a couple of them back and then i'm i'm now suffering from the opposite end a feedback where I'm like, okay, this is a bit convenient. Like it's a small, small universe. What are the odds of these people all reconnecting again? But that's just sort of what you get for the show. Totally. Yeah. I was happy to see her. I think Robo her is cool. Yeah. I, I like mean, the I, costume. I thought that yeah. was neat. I was sad when she was gone. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, from last season, I, I, like you said, I, I appreciate that now we're in some sort of buddy situation and they're going to be tagging along for the next little while. Yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. If, if we're looking at the sort of quote boss like video game analogy, still, it's like okay, cool. You've got your like final battle party for the next, you know, the season finale boss. Whatever yeah, that he's may be. he's gone back to get Kara and other things. So it's Ugh. like we're kind of getting. I know, but gang's all here, kind of thing. So yeah. you know, that's always exciting. And I I have to imagine the next episode won't be like okay, we need this thing, so let's do this side mission real quick to get there. I have a feeling the next episode is like you know we've got a ship, we've got now we've got slave one. <laughs> that so, was so sad. I know the ship going was like uh, heartbreaking. Yeah. But, but I did you know. like it. I like that there were stakes. If we're not going to kill people, yes. let's at least yes. destroy ships. Yes. <laughs> like, 100%. Absolutely. I was very shocked that they did that. I was like, whoa. Yeah. The Razor Crest has, has served a long and, and dutiful amount of time. But I, you know, if you're not going to go so far as to murder them, at least give, take the ship away, which is also why I'm like, how is Slave One still around? <laughs> I know. That's what's crazy. And it's like, I guess we're to believe that Slave One probably was, of course, it was Django's ship, but. I remember, I'll never forget, I had a book when I, when I think it was when Attack of the Clones was coming out and it was talking about ships and creatures and stuff and they called it Slave 2 in the book. Mm. And I was like, I don't because it was a different, and I was like, but this happens before Slave 1. I think it, people were just idiots. Like it was like yeah. this weird, but yeah. So, I, and it was interesting, I guess, enough. I guess we could have derived this, but that Boba's armor is Jango's armor. What's interesting too is, you know, Boba goes into his whole thing about being Mandalorian, which in Clone Wars, they they basically tell you that the Fets are not Mandalorian. So it's interesting Ye- kind of where they're yeah. going now. Bo-Katan's very like, no, you know, they, they totally denounce him. He's like, Jango's a total, you know, he was not, he's not one of us. And so, but now he's a foundling. So it's interesting. It's like, well, so maybe, maybe he got sort of, rejected or he could have been rejected um, or boba just thinks he was and has no idea you know so that's kind of interesting so i'm wondering if we're gonna go there like i wonder if we're gonna go there or if it's just gonna kind of get you know. Oh my god, what if we get Bo-Katan? That would be fun. I, well, but... I think that's the next episode is going to well, be I think she's, really I think getting the gang all together. Yeah, yeah and, and oh, being I like, hey. I didn't think of that, actually. I'm well, because really well, well, Bo-Katan's after Gideon. So, you know, I think that that's that makes sense. very likely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is absolutely. I don't know why I didn't put that together. 
Yeah. Here we are. And so she's after Gideon. We know Ahsoka's after Thrawn. I think Thrawn. I was just so distraught about Grogu. Yeah. And, and since we know Ahsoka's after Thrawn, and since this is all involved Empire stuff, I have to believe that Gideon's probably working with Thrawn in some way. Probably. So That's, that wouldn't the be roads are The roads have to intersect in my mind. And then the big question is from, you know, from last week we were talking about who is the potential maybe Jedi that they might be setting up or who are the Jedi that they might be setting up for us if they are. And it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to go away. That's going to make me happy. And it's going to be Ezra from mm -hmm. from Rebels just because it's someone new and it's different. The timelines would make sense, especially with Thrawn. Mm -hmm. Or it's going to be Luke. And, and well, I don't know so, that they yeah. there, but... This is, or this is someone my, different. I hope it's Ezra. My concern is I texted Matt this before Jackie had watched it because I was like, I just need to say these words out loud. <laughs> I said, if they are going to sacrifice the child in order to give us Palpatine, I will never watch another Star Wars again. <laughs> because if you were going to try and tie this back to the movies that way, and I think by introducing Luke, that would be another sort of piece of evidence in them trying to bring it into the movies. Yeah. If Luke suddenly shows up and is like, I heard the call. <laughs> Right, <laughs> you know, and then and then we get this sort of crossover of of franchises. Also, I, yeah. go, to go back to an earlier point, how is it that Jawas did not completely strip Slave One? Like they were, they are like immediately where, has it, where has yeah, it, like where was know? it hidden? I mean, they already took care of the Razor Crest. Like the Razor Crest was yeah. there for like ten minutes, and they were like, yeah, exactly, yeah. not even close to as amount of long. Time. I mean, I guess it was at Jabba's palace, probably right, because they were on a oh, sail barge yes. when Boba died. But I don't know what became of Jabba's palace so so that's, I mean you'd yeah. think they would strip that too but anyway, right anyway, unless to... someone inherited it but who knows yeah right no it's very interesting I think it will very much tell us the tonally the direction the show is going to go in terms of you know whether we're trying to tie this together to the movie universe or whether we're really building our own sort of streaming friendly one but it's potentially like obviously it's very clear they're obviously tying it to other to other Star Wars things more than we anticipated Mm -hmm. but they're going to be deciding whether, like you said, this is like an original, more original kind of like fresh this and that, or it's just pandering and catering toward making the movies make sense. And that's, I don't want the latter. Right. And totally. The, the Luke thing, unfortunately, would just make a ton of sense just because if we look at the timelines of things, like right now is when Luke would be building and training his little Jedi friends, you mm -hmm. know, to try to like, you know, and Kylo mm -hmm. Ren going crazy. Like, mm -hmm. God, it could be Kylo. Kylo was... Working for the light at the time, like, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I don't know exactly what year he I went feel like crazy. He, yeah, I don't think he was like he was far young. enough. Alone. Oh my god! You know what? Thought I had no Leia. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because I was Leia... like, I guess she wasn't. She never became like a full. But she but was she training. Said, she was very she, sensitive. You know, she had her lightsaber. She was training with Luke and stuff. But I don't think if the oh, call yeah, went out at that point, that. true. Like he would send her. I think he would go yeah. himself. The reason, and it's like because we felt the need to bring in Thrawn, when you look at the way that Rebels ends, Rebels just ends and Thrawn and Ezra are off in this like outer, outer, outer rim, like, you know, presumably potentially dead. We don't really know, but we don't think they are. But And Ahsoka is basically just like, I'm going to go find Ezra and, and help him. So if she's looking for Thrawn right now, it, it tells me that she probably doesn't know for sure yet that he's alive he being thrawn, thrawn. Or Ezra? okay well they, i feel like they she probably would assume that they're tied to each other because they went together in a ship off to that ezra took him and that was like a sacrifice he made to let everyone go so ezra and thrawn are off in the whatever and so if she's looking for thrawn and she has intel that's saying the magistrate was getting direction from thrawn which is telling her thrawn's alive which to me 
is the key to her finding Ezra. So my thought was, okay, maybe she's thinking, okay, well, as if Thrawn's alive, Ezra must be alive too, so he'll answer the child. But if that was her thought process, I would think she'd be like, let me come with you. Because, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because she wants yeah, to find yeah. Ezra. So then I'm like, maybe she does know Ezra's around, maybe, or maybe he died. Maybe she knows, who knows? But maybe she's aware of what Luke's doing. Maybe it's after the resolution of Ahsoka knowing what has happened to Ezra, and yes. then maybe something bad happened to Ezra. Yeah. And that's why she wants like double revenge on And Thrawn. now she just wants to mess Thrawn up. Yeah, who knows? Right. So it's very case. interesting. I hope yeah, so. I, feel, I hope not either. I'd rather we got some Ezra. I do think that would require a lot of sort of pre-existing knowledge or they would have to unload a lot of information in terms of motivations for people yeah. who are not familiar with Rebels and Clone Wars if, yeah. on the Mandalorian audience. Like there's, again, something to be said for, yes, Din is learning all of this as he goes, but that would be a very expository episode, I feel like, to have to explain yeah. all of Rebels yes. in like uh-huh. one 45 minute. That's but I my put thought process too. Them. No, but that's my thought process too. And whether you've even whether you've seen the new trilogy or not, or care about it or not, you know who Luke is. So right. if they, if you found Luke and you see he's training Jedi after Return of the Jedi, that wouldn't be like a stretch of the imagination for anybody right. who's watching the show. Because if you're watching the show, I I would deduce that you've at least seen the original films. <laughs> right. So yeah, so that would be the easier, of course. And and like like I said, yeah, it's we're looking at so many things where so far they've been pretty effectively telling the stories with like. It's richer if you know the backstory, but if you don't know it, you know enough to know what's going on somewhat. Yeah. So just, it's interesting. I really don't want it to be Luke. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't either. I I just like that they're not they're like adjacent to Yeah, the they're not it's not saga, a Skywalker thing. But it's yes. not a Skywalker thing. Like I just don't want everything to tie back to the Skywalkers. No. Oh, right. It shouldn't have to. And and if it is Luke, the thing that's would trouble me a little bit more too, if it is him, he would train the child and Grogu, whatever. You know, so Yeah. It's unless like, we unless we get post Kylo meltdown. But oh oh I oh yeah, if Kylo had happened. Like pre already. pre pre Porg Island exile. Right. Post Kylo meltdown. Here's the call. Kylo probably melts down when he's a teenager from what it looks like, right? So Yeah. I mean, yeah. either way, it's, there could no be a solution is clean, I think, is the problem. Except for maybe third-party Jedi that they're trying to, you know, suddenly introduce. And that, that could be like a fun companion or something, you know, some whole new mythology for the Mandalorian. I think in an interview with Rosario and Filoni, I think they said this was at least 20 years after Return of the Jedi. Unless I'm insane. But I mean, either way, we don't know how long everyone lives. <laughs> you know, like, oh, totally. But I just mean yeah. like that would give us idea that. Kylo Ren could be a full adult and are already gone bad at this point. But the thing is, is mm-hmm. the Empire wouldn't be existing anymore if the First Order was already rising. So I don't know. It's yeah, it's it's muddy. But if we're trying to create Snoke, you know, then we're we're that we're far enough down the line where we're trying to form the the whatever you genesis of yeah, <laughs> you know. I thought it was interesting because I feel like all the season I've been asking. Where is Robert Rodriguez's episode going to go? I know. And it was this one. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, it, once I saw that it was his episode, I was like, yeah, that makes sense with like the shootout yeah. and the very Western yes. moments. But we've also seen other ones that have very Western homages. Yeah. The, you know, the kind of standoff moment. I was like, oh, this is a Rodriguez. Level. Yeah. And I liked the standoff. 
Some of it felt a little clunky to me, though. I liked it overall. Like It was very action-driven, but the stakes were high, like we talked about, and I was yeah. worried about the babe. I think it fit within the universe within reason. I wasn't like, sure. who did this? And then, yeah, it you didn't know, it like but I wasn't style. like, oh my god, this is the best thing ever. There were just right. a couple, there were a couple moments of, specifically like, even with like Ming-Na Wen's character, where, you know, she's great, but there are a couple moments where sometimes I felt like we lingered on a shot too long here or there, where it kind of got like quiet and like clunky in a way where it felt like it could have been tightened and put together better when it when like the intensity of this battle they're going into but it was fun like you know i was like oh, okay yeah. cool and by the end yeah when i saw robert rodriguez i was like oh okay but it's probably tied with well probably second place as far as after the first episode of this season for like bottom of my for the whole season because the trajectory of everything from two through last week was just so i guess 10 to 13 was mm-hmm. climbing for me like every one I thought was better than the last and then this I did not like better than last week or the week before yeah like, I, I agree so, but you know it's never gonna just amaze week after week it's always you know there's gonna be it's I mean you know. no, no it could it certainly could, it could but I I think it's understandable that you know there are going to be ups and downs and also just I think in terms of story you know something that we don't like happened happened in this episode right. so we are probably less inclined to be like this is my <laughs> oh yeah if that had been rex who showed up and i was excited about that then my thoughts on the whole thing would have been right so there's that but yeah again if they find a way to totally explain the questions i have we have about boba uh, i'm not gonna be mad about it it's just a thing where i'm a little like oh, oh okay. i wanted to I, I did clock slightly tubby boba which i loved yeah. i love that he I like, did that. not fit well into the suit anymore and that he it still was looked like pretty badass you know he looked badass but i was like he yeah. had a gut and it was yeah. it was appropriate and i was like yeah. oh Thank you for like, you know, actually aging oh, this he, character instead yeah, of, you know, what I, you know totally. I read too, actually, is that he's Maori, which is the native people of New Zealand. The actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the style of fighting he did with the spear mm-hmm. was actually reminiscent of their, their warriors. And that's so very oh, that's cool. cool. It was really cool because they brought in that culture and people were excited yeah. about it. That's but cool. I, again, bo- body positivity in terms of your Star Wars characters. I liked having. Yeah. Yeah. And talk about a total like spawning of a of a professional career for this guy who I didn't love the Django Fett plot line in, in episode two, but you know, that landed him the TV show roles and playing the clones and all of this and that. And now he's Boba. I mean, you know. Yeah. You, t- tomorrow Mersin, like yeah. working it. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, not we going to shall... dim his shine. Right. We shall we shall have to see what happens in the next two. I again, I think I said this earlier, but I was like, there's going to be no resolution that makes me happy because I just want more. Yeah, yeah. So, I, know. I, mean, I know. I'm just it's... so upset. There's only two more episodes. I don't yeah. know what I'm gonna. Yeah. I have to wait a whole year. I Ugh. know. Well, like eleven think... months, but yeah. Yeah, I think they're <laughs> yeah. like already working on. I oh, think they, they are. They know. They know oh, we they need are. It. They they know we yeah. need it. I just. I, yeah. It's just upsetting. The interview I was reading from Rosario was talking about landing the role, and she landed the role, and they already were working on things before episode season one aired. Wow. So like, imagine having to keep that secret all year. <laughs> yeah well i I, that's that's the other thing right i'm like if it is luke and mark hamill was there a plus for the ndas and the you know the set security actually right just like nobody if it is luke and they managed to keep that secret that is actually pretty wild right that would be the greatest you know thing they've that's the thing is i would be i would be welcome to the surprise just because of that honestly yeah just just because it'd be like wow the mirror like how did you ever get this how we are going to have to stay off the internet for the next few days i'm realizing (laughs) you know the next two episodes we're just we're all shutting offline because i've randomly just just like to learn 
to watch it at midnight. Yeah, I've been awake randomly, just like you know. Some sometimes I fall asleep at nine. Some nights I'm like, but then other nights I'm like wired for some reason, and I randomly just like I'll be like, oh, okay, what am I gonna put on to go to bed? And it's like after midnight, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'll watch Mandalorian, and then of course I'm not going to bed. I watch the whole thing, but right. Yeah, so I've I've lucked out, but I don't know. It's yeah. it's a tough world. This is this is now back. We're we're kind of. Would you say this is like the most since Game of Thrones? I guess right. The most like appointment. Mm-hmm viewing kind of must watch right now and not get spoilers since Game of Thrones I say that we've had I would agree I think for me season one of Westworld for the people who were very into Westworld I remember being yeah had a very yeah a very stringent schedule in terms of like you have this window of time before somebody's gonna ruin it for you but that was also yeah yeah exactly and then I know Walking Dead had a moment of that too for people oh I forgot Um, about that yeah, I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't like it, but I watched but people, it, but I wasn't like, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I'd say like since, I guess since Game of Thrones ending, anything new coming, I guess this would probably be the one where it's like, okay, you just have to watch it immediately. You can't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Nobody, nobody cares about you and you're spoiled and you're, and you're. I know. People should care more. You know, Monsters. It's, it's sad. But everyone's got to be the first to say something, you know? Yeah. God. <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Uh, I, I think we all could agree that while this separation is stressful, as as long as they don't end the season with him separated, you know I'm what I mean. I'm not going to be okay. If like we have to have resolution unsafe to- <laughs> at the end of this. I mean, like imagine like, if this was the last. They episode. cannot <laughs> do that to us. He cannot be unsafe for a whole year. I will be. All right, very I'm going to say something horrible, and I'm going to be. Y'all can both blame me when this comes around. Uh-oh. I would be okay with it if there's a very compelling story reason. If it's for the art, I I I'm not saying I yeah I would be wouldn't be like mad about the storytelling. But what it's going to do to me mentally will be upset. Well, yes, yeah. of course. But I, I think it is like I, if you can make, uh, obviously, I love story above all things. So if it ends up being great story, then fine. But I'm going to be very unhappy for 11 months. Yeah. yeah. But but just thinking about, okay, let's say even if it's supersized episodes for the next two, maybe you have three hours in which to tell this story. Is any sort of rescue plot, whatever, going to justify the stakes that they're setting up by, you know, they sent the entire First Order Empire, whatever, after this kid. And then suddenly, you know, we pull off a rescue mission that quickly. Like, I think there's more to be said about the adversary that we're setting up if we're trying to set up a long term story here. Yeah. If they can keep the child away from this ragtag group of whoever for at least, you know, a couple yeah. episodes. No, I think, I think, look, if this, if this season ends, Babe is there with Moff Gideon and we have teases. So, okay, we're approaching Thrawn. I don't need Thrawn until next season, honestly. I don't, I think you don't need to cram more. You know, I'm right, kind of like, right. I'm ready for that later. Even if you were to, and this is, this would drive me crazy too, but it would at least leave me on an excited note. Like if you were to end, they're on an Imperial starship and babies there in that room and they're trying to get them and you see the episode and they're not they're not doing well they're losing and then suddenly we see like a, a leg come and a blue lightsaber come out and it ends or something like that and we know that someone is a new jedi is there mm-hmm. and that would drive me crazy but it would give me hope that we're getting the baby back it's like you know what <laughs> yeah. i mean but but you couldn't end it like you did just now where it's like dark troopers are flying away with the baby and it's like over until october 2021 like i couldn't do that right <laughs> so I guess it needs to end in like a, a there needs to be hope. a hopeful note. Yeah. Like I <laughs> may not know that the baby is safe, but I have to know that it's possible very soon. Yes. I, I was just gonna say one more thing before we move on to the next tiny baby handcuffs and baby <laughs> throwing stormtroopers around yes. the cell was yes. very cathartic what? for me watching what? him beat up yeah. the stormtroopers. Look, it, it seems like not a lot of time has passed since we were trying to pass out, trying to steal cookies. So the fact that we're flinging people around, it's a very impressive growth period of growth well, for the child. I think he's kind of unlocking his, yeah. I think, I think he like dampened it or whatever after his 
dark blackout time or whatever. Yeah. And so now he's slowly opening back up to his powers, I think. Yeah, but also remember that in season one, he is the one who essentially like, I mean, he lifted the mud horn and like that right, huge right. thing and did this crazy stuff and then passed out. But that's why they have the mud horn signet. So or Mando does. So it's like he has this power. It's just a matter of like when he chooses to use it. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, you know yeah. I mean, it's clearly like but a, I think a I think it's like, yeah, but I think it's leaking out of him from the shield he Indif- built to kind of protect sure. himself, you know? And or, so now I think, I think we're cracking leaking. at I think he's, it. Um, he's unlocking yeah, it, right? Like he's like he's accessing lowering it of, and yeah, figuring, yeah. It, you know, but I think at yeah. first it was just leaking out when he killed the Mudhorn and that stuff. Like yeah. I don't know that he was as conscious about it. And what I really want to know, because we talk about the, the powers and stuff, but obviously he was being trained on Coruscant, we assume. And and I want to know when we learn who, what Jedi might arrive and this and that, I'd love to know who saved in. Yeah, and didn't save order anyone order else. 66. Like yeah. yeah, just took um, the child. And part of me wonders if we're going down an Ezra road. Kanan Jarrus, who is becomes Ezra's master in Rebels, is a really cool character. that I, He was my favorite character in Rebels. And he escaped Order 66 by leaving and going into hiding. So it's something where it made me wonder if we were going to connect and this and that, like one of Kanan, you know, we see, even if we got a flashback, oh my God, oh my God, I would die. But we don't need a flashback, but it, but just seeing Kanan in, as a you know live action would be cool. But if he saved him and it could kind of bridge gaps to Ezra, you know, this knowing about him, I don't know, who knows. But yeah, it's just interesting to think who saved him and if it's going to be linked to who's going to come. Yeah, we shall. Well, my favorite is, you know, maybe him and Anakin were cool. Anakin was like, bro, don't go to the temple today. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should just uh, not. Yeah. Think you're busy tonight, man. Yeah. Be be nice to people. Y'all be nice. (laughs) You never know when it'll save you from Order 66. You just just (laughs) never know. Yeah, you you never know. know. We are going to take a quick break and be right back. We all also watched Mank. What did, what did Jackie? What did you think? How did you? Uh, oh, I because I, I know the answer it. to this one. I, I really yeah. hated it. Um, oh wait, did you guys talk I, on the did, side? Or? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll during tech took, issues, like, like thirty minutes to connect this mic. Today. Oh, so you talked? Oh, so we I already like, recorded so, all of Mike. No. So, so we recorded without him. No, we were just making conversation. Yeah, and I was admitting that I didn't finish it because I did. It was like an hour in, and I was like, "I hate this, and I don't need to watch it." I'm I'm proud that you made it an hour, and I don't need to watch it. I don't need to. There's nothing. There's nothing holding a gun to my head, and I don't want to. So I stopped. I respect your choice here. So I stopped. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. I didn't like it or love it, like it, whatever, uh, but I, I didn't hate it. I just was like very whatever about it. I, It's hard. There were things about it that technically I liked, you know what I mean? Like technically speaking, and I liked that mm-hmm. when you watch the whole thing, it really is a mirror image of the structure of Citizen Kane, which I thought was kind of cool and creative. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the way it's told and the flashbacks and the way they're done. It's, it's very similar. I thought that was neat. I thought performances were good. It, it just was one of those films that, you know, David Fincher clearly didn't care about his audience at all. And kind of <laughs> like we were talking about Mandalorian and talking about how knowledge of the shows and stuff kind of enriches the experience a little bit. Mm-hmm. This required yep. you to have. Not only knowledge about Citizen Kane, the movie, but the also knowledge deep. about the making around it and like mm-hmm. everything and the and the the stuff going on in Hollywood at the time. Like it did not give you anything. It just no. threw us in and expected you to either know or 
get out. And I have a weird soft spot for the era because I don't know if it's just from film school or what it was, but like I, you know, I studied, I, we had to study the making of this film. So it's a thing where I went into all that. So I knew these characters somewhat, you know, I don't read up on it all the time anymore, but I just, I was jogging my memory a lot and I remember these things. Mm-hmm. So I was intrigued enough, but had I not gone to film school, my God, I don't know. And the thing is, is like I took enough film classes that I knew what was happening. It just felt so pretentious and just yeah. so and I just hated how pretentious it felt, I guess. Like it just felt so full of itself and so self-indulgent, self-indulgent. Yeah. Yeah. I, but I really struggled with it to me for that. I, I, I said this in my review, but I. And, you know, unpopular opinion, but I don't think Citizen Kane is the greatest film of all time. No, I, I think it was uh, important for the time. But in terms of today, and I think part of it, I was trying to think about it. I was like, maybe is it because that super billionaire megalomaniacs are just common now? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're just used to the idea that, yeah, of course, like three people control publishing and this, that sort of stuff. But when I watched Citizen Kane the first time, I was like, OK, I appreciate this, but. No. All right. Yeah. There's a certain generation, I think, of filmmaker who just loud it more than maybe a more modern audience might. And this definitely came from the school of all hail Citizen Kane. Well, and also the thing about it, too, that I find interesting is it said on there, Jack Fincher wrote it. Right. And Jack. Yeah. Who is David Fincher's dad? Who died in 2003. So he was born in the 30s, I imagine. And was alive when this was happening. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like this this film would have been understood better and accept like just not nothing understood in a way of like oh you know what's going on, but I just mean like ex- received relevant. in a it way relevant. Relevant yeah. if it was made in the 50s or something. Like you know it was something yes. where it was like and then this man wrote it and he remembers all this stuff and he you know not that he was there for it, but you know he was alive and remembers and probably loves Citizen Kane I imagine and all these things. So it felt kind of like a love letter to him in a way that David Fincher wrote it. But it's just interesting to think about writing a film based on a script that was written over 20 years ago, I imagine. I, I had that thought as well. I was like, you know? it feels antiquated in multiple senses. And I, I felt like, you know, there are obviously parallels in Jackie probably didn't make it to this plot because it doesn't get introduced until like halfway through. But there's all this stuff about how the studios were putting out sort of politicized messages of these, you know, kind of testimonials from average citizens who are actors yeah. saying like, I wouldn't vote for XYZ person. Because, vote. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not quite fake news, but it's it's propaganda, yeah. essentially, and trying to impact an election. Politics, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, of course, there's parallels to what we're living through right now. But that felt I don't think it was tacked on, but it just felt disconnected from the first half of the film. Yeah, it kept on kind of like, what is the what story are you telling? And then by the end, you get back around. OK, we really are just telling the story about the fact that Mank is writing this and then decides he wants credit for it. Yeah. And like, that's the movie. But then you're giving us all these different Side. things. But it's just trying to inform his headspace, I guess, while he's writing it. But again, if you don't care about Citizen Kane, you don't care about why he's writing it right so it just it had so much reliance on a deep knowledge of other things that i just felt like it's it's not very successful but for other things because people now i mean most people i know anyway it doesn't they like citizen kane they understand why it was important to film but no no one i know watches it on a regular basis and it has any kind of obsession with it yeah yeah i I watch it like you 
frequently enough, but I'm not not like do all you the, really? it's not like my I, the, I mean I, I return to it every now and then because I, I there are things about it technically that I really like and I, I'm just a I watch old movies all I'll say sure so I I just like I have a thing for old Hollywood so I, I yeah, find I, myself I'll revisit it but it's not I don't think it's the greatest one ever made it's not one of my favorites it's it's you know it's fine I I mean I, that's I don't downplay it at the time sure but I just mean like you know I don't I don't think it's transcendent. I just feel like it, I feel like it just requires this level of cultural obsession at the time mm-hmm. to be relevant. Yeah, because like I, I, I love old movies too, but that's Citizen Kane is not one I am particularly interested in revisiting. Like there are yeah. dozens that are like if they came out with a film about George Lucas writing Star Wars, it would still be relevant, and everyone, you know what I mean, it would get it wouldn't culturally we would all understand it. Well, I think part of it is Star Wars might not be the best example because things keep getting added to that universe yeah. as opposed to like yeah, a Citizen Kane, which is so good. standalone. And yeah. I think the you could so do Tarantino earlier... Pulp Fiction or something like that, like down yeah. the line, where it's like sure, something yeah. that was considered where changing the game. Where it's know? like it's cultish now, still, right? Where there's like a cult right. of people who are still really into it. And but in more forty years from now, forty like, years no from now, is. how relevant is that film? Well, right. I think I think you could still tell the story, but you have to invite a new audience into it, right? Yeah. And I don't think. Mank gave a damn about that. It was just take it or leave it. Like yeah. you either know who these people are or you don't. And we're going to do a tiny bit maybe to tell you about who they are. But you know, if you aren't aware of this era, this film is not for you. And part of me says, okay, that's fine. Not every yeah. film is for every person, but I was like, I just, I, I, but then that's why I stopped watching it. It was not yeah. well, me. to that point at the risk of sounding pretentious. Part of me likes that about it in that way that David, David Fincher clearly is at a point in his career where he was like when you're a filmmaker are you making films for people to give you adoration into love and this and that whatever or are you making the film you want to make barely anyone gets to make the film they want to make these days and orson wells got to with like citizen right. Kane, like that's such a big thing about it that we learn and it's like that they were basically like you get final say on this film which is unheard of you know you don't no one gets that anymore and it was like, it was just whatever he wanted was going to go because the studio had that much faith in him. And I feel like Fincher is kind of at a place where I don't think he's doing things when he's not getting a huge amount of say because I think he's like, well, I'm doing, I want to do what I love to do and I want to tell the story I want to tell. And I kind of like the, I don't really care if it's for you or not. I'm making mm-hmm. it because I want to make it. I like that. But I do. I like it better in a place like this where it's a Netflix release where you can turn it off because you don't want to mm-hmm. see it. Rather than people going to a movie theater and having to have the choice of walking out and hoping to get a refund if they hate it or just walking out after they paid all this money. It's Mm -hmm. kind of, it works for a streaming service, I guess, in that way where. I think we've talked about this a lot, right? In anybody who has gotten, any of these names who have gotten to do streaming films, there's, there's a freedom with it. I actually was listening to an interview with Hannah Gadsby and she said something really insightful and she said, success comes with a lack of edits. And I was like, yes, that is 100% what's going on. And all of these sort of auteur yeah. streaming films. Yeah. Agreed. It's it's absolutely true. And so as much as I wouldn't, I'm never going to watch it again. And I, I would only recommend it if you were already interested in it and right. already, you know, but I'm kind of like, oh, okay, cool. Whatever. You did your thing and he probably loves it and he's happy with it, I hope. And okay, that's what matters. He, he made it for himself. Yeah. I <laughs> There were, in terms of that, again, anytime one of these movies pop up, I go, okay, it's another movie about a white man. It's another movie that the failed the Bechdel test on so many levels. Yeah. Like the female characters in this were just I remember the lady in, puppets. In, in, in a meeting that was wearing 
Oh yeah, just tassels. 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 Yeah. Yeah, I was like, and oh. I'm like, yeah, that's probably true to the... T- like, I would not have surprised me if that was something that actually happened. But, like, Lily Collins' character had no point. Am- I- Amanda Seyfried... Yeah. Actually, Amanda Seyfried, I think, was the best performance in it. I thought she killed it. And she was... She sounded like her. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she, she yeah. was... She did better than I thought uh, she was going to do. And it's and it's an interesting... I mean, I like her. But Marion Davies, like, you know, life is interesting. And so I was, yeah. I was, I didn't actually know she was going to be in it. And cause I, I guess I didn't, I didn't know she got that close to the main, but cool. I mean, I don't know. I, so I enjoyed her and I, and I thought, you know, she, they could have, a movie about her would have been more interesting actually, because she was actually kind mm-hmm. of like a really great, pretty powerful business, the way that she like ran herself. And of course she didn't end up making it too far into the, the talkies as we call them, but you know, she, she played it like a business and I yeah. wish we could have seen more of her. But I also thought the guy who played Orson was incredible because I thought he. Oh yeah, he he he's sounded just like him. He like <laughs> I was like, oh wow. yeah. He the the reason I know him is from he played Cormoran Strike in. Oh, I, I can't I remember who those. did the adaptation. Yeah, which is so. Let's talk about problematic things really quick yeah. because that's actually a good segue. Because <laughs> good old so Cormoran Strike is the what's the pen name for Robert Galbraith. Mm-hmm. The, the Robert Galbraith books that got adapted into some, I can't remember who in the US made them, but they got made in the UK originally. And they're these detective novels and it's JK Rowling's pen name. And when they first came out, I loved them. I thought they were great. They were so much fun. I read all of them. And now JK Rowling is a, a huge I can't, problem. I can't buy her yeah. books anymore, unfortunately. Right. She, and and so problem? I didn't. <laughs> I <know. laughs> Wait, what's going on? Yeah. What did she say? But I, I didn't buy the latest strike book or read it at all because I was just like, I can't support this. Someone else who is problematic for me is Gary Oldman. Yeah, and, I know. You know, I think with a film like Darkest Hour, I struggled with it, but at least he sort of disappeared into that role. And part of it's the prosthetics and part yeah. of it's just the performance. But this, I was like, you're pretty. In fact, this looked like, what's his character from The Fifth Element? Yeah. No, I know oh, what the hair is. Yeah, like. I don't know what the name is. But yes. Well, later on in the movie, and he's like unshoveled or like disheveled and he had his like hair down. Really yeah, I was, I was like, like oh, oh, this is that character having let themselves go. Yeah. And so, you know, there was not a lot of barrier for me. And so I was like, oh, I just feel like I'm watching Gary Oldman, like, belligerently yell at people. That's, yeah, that's I thought surreal. his performance was good, but I, I didn't think he disappeared. It was very much, yeah. Gary, you know, I, and, and he has, he's one of those ones, problematic as he can be. He's one of those guys who who does have the ability to disappear in roles right. for me. And so when he doesn't, it's a little jarring. Right. So that was my other big, big challenge with this one, but... Yeah, I, I think th- I thought Lily Collins was decent too. I got to say, what I unfortunately right when I saw her, uh, I was like, oh, because Emily in Paris. But I'm, <laughs> but she got, but I've always I always liked her. She got me back more, and I thought I, you know, the the moment, some of the moments with her and Mank were some of my favorite parts of the movie, honestly. But I but liked just, when she like quit and then didn't, but uh, and learned more about him. But I like I like I liked when she stood up for herself. I guess because the whole time she, I guess, but it just felt very. I don't think it's her fault. It's the writing's fault, right? Yeah. Like the role was just not three dimensional or even two dimensional. It could have been. Yeah. And when yeah. we have these like names cast in these roles, we expect them to be a bigger utilized or utilized. And it's like, well, well, then why are you not that Lily Collins is the most expensive actress in Hollywood? I'm sure, but why are you spending money on Lily Collins when you could just get someone random who's a decent actress? If you're right. not gonna, you know, make this role a bigger part or give it more to do. Yeah, but I think I think the the idea of like if you were already really interested in this, this is for yeah. you. If not, for the love of God, just don't. <laughs> yeah, but but you know, yeah, it's like 
it, like like we all said, Jackie turned it off. You could turn it off ten minutes in if you're like, because honestly, ten minutes in, if you're not liking it, you're not gonna like any of it. It doesn't no. change. Yeah, it's one of those. It's very flat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I would even say within two minutes, just because yeah. like you know, in the first two minutes, it's like it 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 has the screen language on it, interior, like exterior, yes. day, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh boy, and it oh, it boy. sets its tone and it sticks to it the entire time, and yeah. the tone was very very old Hollywood it was cool in that way but it was like like it 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 felt it transported me in a way in that way where it felt old (laughs) but not necessarily always in a good way but it just it really did feel and the way they shot it was very like telling like very reminiscent of the times and how they were yeah I I agree with that and I thought so technically speaking I could see it being up for certain things Oscar season that I wouldn't be mad about, technically speaking, but I don't want it to get like best screenplay or best picture or best. Anything. But like cinematography was cool. Music, the Trent Reznor's and Atticus Radacross's uh, soundtrack was cool. Like there were things that I see it getting accolades for that I wouldn't be like mad about, but I don't I need would. it to win anything either. So I don't know. Yeah. Eh. Speaking <laughs> of tone, we also watched the sound and listened to the sound of metal. We sure did. We what, sure what did it? How did we? This this one did not get turned off halfway through. I'm assuming. Oh no! Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. I liked it. I, I wasn't in love with it, but I liked it. It kept my attention. Uh, I, I will like say the first those... like 15 minutes, I was a little like, okay, come on, because it was it's very art indie, you know. I feeling. was really gonna turn it off in the first 10 minutes because the sound the... was also it... very disturbing, and I know that that's on purpose. It was just yeah. getting through that first hump, and then and then it dove into a story that I was like interested in. But I will say that this is one of those ones that I would have probably really loved in the theater and because mm-hmm. of the sound mix at yeah. home, the sound mix and also just paying attention because it was slow and it had like real moments of intensity that would have been better in, in a theater. Yeah, I kind of thought and, and maybe it's because we were in a theater, but I kind of thought they could have done more with the sound, honestly. And well, so that's what I thought they, you know, that's why I think a theater, I don't know if maybe, yeah, but I was thinking like in a theater, I almost might've been annoyed that they weren't utilizing certain things. Cause like I felt when it went, when things went quiet for him, like toward later toward the end, when it's getting metally and that kind of thing. And it's, that was interesting, but toward the, be- the beginning, when it first goes quiet and stuff, we we talked, I think within a previous cast, I brought up Babel and mm-hmm. that scene in the nightclub. I just, I love that scene so much. And I think about things like that and I, I didn't feel like they utilized that kind of stuff enough for me. Like I felt like they could have done more to make it even more like make you hear what he's hearing in the way where when we would, when we watch him interacting uh, with other deaf individuals, I thought it would have been kind of cool to kind of really just turn the sound off, but instead we're hearing them go back and forth. But I wanted, there were times when we're like supposed to be hearing what he's hearing and then times where we're just hearing and observing where I wanted to hear so- what he's hearing. I think two points to that. One, I think some of it is the challenges of individual setups because I, I basically cranked the volume up on it and I, there is some of that, but I think this is something that should have been heard in surround sound, right? And then two, there's actually something very clever they did with it. Did you all notice the subtitling? Yes. And did you notice when there was subtitling and that it switched halfway through? Because someone told me, because my friend is an audiologist, so she watched Mm -hmm. this sort of immediately and she said, to turn on the subtitles because it does subtitle the AS. Well, so I don't know if it's just the version I watched, but there wasn't even an option that like the subtitles were hard coded on. And it was really interesting because it was basically when he loses his hearing initially 
and people are signing, there's no subtitles for the signing because he can't understand them, right? So there's nothing to subtitle because we as the audience and, and through his perspective wouldn't be able to understand what's going on. And then once he does start to understand sign language more, there's suddenly subtitles for those moments. And then when like people are talking to him, there's no subtitles because he can't hear, you know, the, the sort of visual representation of his hearing journey or lack, you know, not hearing journey. I was like, oh, it's so, it was so clever. And I was like, oh, it, it's so subtle too. But I was like, why can't I understand? Because I'm not, he can't understand. That's yeah. what's going on here. I got to say, I didn't notice a, sub, a single subtitle in the whole film. I don't, maybe mine just didn't, but, but maybe I just didn't notice them for some reason. I wasn't paying, I like wasn't, I was probably reading them without even thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But I did notice like around the table and stuff when they're signing that, that he, there were no subtitles. And I liked that because I was like, well, he doesn't understand what they're saying and it doesn't matter what they're saying. They're just having fun. They're talking and just having a good time. So we don't care what they're saying to each other. If we were at a dinner table scene and a bunch of people were just talking to each other, we're not going to, unless we're zeroing in on one conversation or the other, you're not going to have all those conversations subtitled. You know what I mean? So I thought that was interesting. Again, he couldn't hear it. So obviously we're not going to understand what they're saying either. So I liked that from his perspective. And then, you know, learning name and things like that in the classroom, I thought were fun and cool. You know, yeah, I think they did yeah. a very good job of that line where um, they don't tell you everything and they expect you to have some level of intelligence and be paying attention. Mm-hmm. It wasn't spoon fed, which I really enjoyed any of the plot, really. Yeah. Their relationship. Like, I was going to say, aside from her eyebrows, I yeah, her lack thereof. Really, well, they were like bleached or something. It was yeah, like, that was a decision. On. I love She's an artiste. Cook. Yeah, I love Olivia Cook, and I did not know she was in it, and so I was really excited she was in it. I thought she was so good. She did a great job. She did, I, but this yeah. is this was definitely Riz Ahmed's show. Like, he, oh, yeah. totally. Oh, he yeah. did incredible. I do think it's really interesting, even you know, going back to like deaf culture and and seeing how harsh it really is. Because I've been told, sort of from the outside, and like different people I've talked to, but that him getting the implants literally lost him his home. Hmm. Like, yeah. that felt very harsh to me. Like, that was a very, like, intense divide. Yeah. I mean, again, very limited sort of insight into it. But, you know, when we watched Deaf You earlier, it does feel like there are sects of varying degrees of deafness culture that, like, are very hostile towards mm-hmm. people who reject. Because well, there's like, a, yeah. a... You know, they're like, what's I mean, wrong exactly, with this? Like, but it's just... how we are. It, yeah. It was... I think it's true to life. I just thought it was very interesting to see how harsh it can be. Like you accept yeah, no. our ways or, and they cut yeah, him off from even... the outside world even, which was, I thought at yeah. first that was good because it teaches him that he, what he had to rely on that wasn't, you know, electronic, mm-hmm. but it seems like he never got his phone back until he actually left or something. I felt like that had less to do with deafness and more to do with his addiction. Addiction. I, I, I took it more that way. Yeah. yeah. Like the whole program was basic. Hey, y'all are, are these, here. They were all deaf addicts. Yeah. that That's what, because the, the way they sort of introduced themselves felt very like alcoholics or narcotics anonymous or whatever, you know, any of those sort of support groups. So I got the sense that the restrictions were there because they were all Yeah, He was from... like, I felt he was staying at kind of like a rehab place that happened to yeah. be in a, in a deaf community. Oh, that's really so the, yeah. So that's kind of what I. I guess I on. just assumed it was just a deaf community who lived together. And no, because I think uh, they were attached to a re- like regular is the wrong word, but a no, you know a non program specific. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that's where the kids, the the school, kids were in there, and yeah. Well, because I thought the school was just like the eighteen and unders, and then they also had this like halfway house for deaf, you know, people who needed extra support. But this makes mm-hmm. more sense. I just didn't tie it directly to being an addict. There was one moment I was like, when does this take place? Because the 
website that he goes to or the like the email it was just so like it was it was very old old tech internet and I, but I, you know the whole thing seemed but i also kind of wonder if the school just doesn't have an updated computer either no but he's he's at the you know, home the home guy's personal computer like he kept breaking into the office for well yeah i know but i just would assume that that guy isn't very technological but they, they had the whole like translation software so it seems like yeah that was relatively advanced. but that's different because he needs that right so that's it more like you know he was like basically logging into like an old webmail portal so i think it had less to do or like the website for his band was the message board for his band was so old. I was like, is this GeoCities? Like, what? Yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> what? Right. How are, you know, people well, he just like, never just learned saw... how to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw this person play in France and, you know, it's on like yeah. some sort of community board that was very old school looking. I was like, and, but I could imagine a band like that having a very old school web interface to follow them. And, like, sure. Using modern social media. But that was just something as like a tech nerd that stood out. I was no, like, totally. Because I was wondering, <laughs> I was wondering year also, and there weren't any real indicators that I could tell based on new cars. He had an iPhone though. He did. I yeah. Just, yeah, he did. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. It was, you know, and I thought it was interesting. The guy who, the, the leader, I forget his name in the movie. I looked him up because I was very interested because, so something that kind of, and I, and it, this could be ignorance completely. So I say that right now, but I think of when Riz first starts losing his hearing, right? Mm-hmm. I did think it was a little weird that he was still just like talking normal volume completely over like whatever, you know what I mean? Like, it just felt kind of like when I can't hear something, I talk louder and people are like, shut the hell up, you know? And yeah. so I, I, but I don't know. I've never have been, I've never had that kind of thing happen. I'm, I'm more kind of going off of when your ears are plugged up or, or I have headphones in or something and you kind of are talking because it's hard to gauge. And then when we got to the guy and he was talking and everything, and I just wanted to like look him up because he was like, oh, I read lips, you know? And I was like, oh, okay, so he's deaf in this movie. Is he deaf in real life? And I actually couldn't figure out if he is in real life. I know he had deaf parents. He was raised by deaf parents and he is in, he's actually in a metal band himself. And it's like a Black Sabbath, I think, uh, band. Oh, yes, I saw that. And he, it's like an ASL uh, thing. So there's like some different kinds of lyrical, like signing he does on stage, which apparently is really cool. And I thought that was really neat, like a really cool casting. But I still oh, couldn't figure him. out if he just is very immersed into the community because his parents are deaf or if he's actually deaf at all or, or very hard of hearing. But his talking was totally normal, whereas every deaf person I've personally met, it, it, obviously it's different if you're well, born no, it's versus he lost going his, deaf. Yeah, he lost it yeah. in Vietnam, so he grew up oh, okay, being able yeah. to speak. So That's probably the, pretty true the, then because I saw the actor was in Vietnam or something like that. Oh, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I, I think that the character, the character, the character you know, too, though. So I bet I was bet also hearing because the reason why deaf folks that we've never heard or have very low hearing their whole lives, they can't hear how it sounds. So they, yeah, no, that's what I was going to say is it's obviously different but... from if you're born that way versus you, you acquire it. It's obviously going to be different, but I just, I, in that moment I was watching and I was kind of like, would you be so clearly talking at the the volume that we normally talk at this and that when you don't have your ears to rely on with how loud you're talking? I'm not sure. Maybe you would. I just, it kind of made me question though. I would think it'd be fair that a, a, for a character at that point who has lived so long at that way, he has learned to just modulate. Him, yes. That's why I was like him. It oh, could oh be for Riz, yeah. There, for, for Riz, Riz he I wasn't would be sure. screaming. Yeah. Uh, that's what I thought, but I maybe not. I don't know. Uh... It's hard to say. But he yeah. was talking like as much as I thought he was great in this film in those moments, like when they're in the I think it was a diner, but they're on the phone talking to the guy and he goes and starts like I think his sponsor. Right. And he starts talking to him without being able to hear what he's saying in that scene. I was very much aware that Riz could hear. Yes. 
You know what I mean? Like it didn't feel like this guy was was hard of hearing at all. So as much as I thought he was great in a lot of ways, there were times like that where I was a little kind of almost wish they actually cast someone who was hard of hearing. Well, the other solve for those scenarios that was very confusing. I was like, why wouldn't you just text? Yeah. <laughs> right. This is clearly a, a sort of cinematic right. device here right. in a logical situation. If you're like, I've lost 80% of my hearing, yeah. you'd think an easier way to communicate to each other would right. be via just be writing it or on email. A... Exactly. Yeah. But no, it's a hundred percent. It's, it's, you know, but we have those kind of things. Again, it's cinematic. I, one of my biggest things in the little mermaid, when she, when she loses her voice is like, well, why don't you just write your name down? Why don't you just write everything down? When you, we see her, <laughs> Although we see her sign her. We don't know underwater. that mermaid. Yeah. I was um, going to say, do we think that she knows how to write in English? Like, why would she have learned that? Under but we the see her do it. Like she but signs your name Ursula's is contract, one thing. but she could, your... when he's like, what's your name? She'd be like, give me paper. Here we go. <laughs> you know, yeah. but yes, who knows? Yes. But she probably wouldn't know how to write, give me paper. <laughs> like, it's true. But she reads an entire contract and then signs her name very No, nicely. she definitely does not read that contract. Well, she doesn't read That's it, but I guess she signed her name. <laughs> but I mean, we can read it. We can see that it says, so I'm thinking like, okay. But yeah, I, it's, it is what it is. I still love it. But I'm just like, there, we take liberties, you know? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, 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 I enjoyed it and I would recommend watching it. I think it yeah. was worth yeah. watching. I was going to say, stay past the first 10 minutes because I know it was oh. very challenging for me. I was like, I don't like this. I don't like yeah, this. Yeah, it was a lot. I didn't and, like it really at all the first 10 minutes. But. Yeah, and you know when we talk, we spoke about obviously again respect to the fact that community doesn't uh, consider deafness a disability. But when we talk about differently abled people and representation in film and things like that in media, like we talked about before, I thought it was an interesting marriage of illustrating how terrifying and scary this would be to just a completely typically able-bodied person to experience while also not showing and being like, oh, this is the worst thing ever of all time and, and still kind of lifting and showing the community in a way that's very positive. Like a, like a marriage of that. You know what I mean? I liked that at the end when he gets the implants, it wasn't a fairy tale ending. You know, it wasn't no. suddenly like, congrats, you can hear again. Your life is back to quote normal. It was like, oh, this well, is not... And the very end, we don't really know. Did they just, did it just go away and it, is it done? Or is he just kind of like, okay, it's out there. No, he, it'll come he back took again. off. He took off. Yeah, he took him off. Oh, because he took him out. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. I think he realized it. that it was not worth. He like preferred it and was like, okay, I don't well, want to. Well, or he's yeah. just, I like that In it that doesn't moment, yeah. I love that it doesn't decide. That he's yes. kind yeah. of stuck between these two worlds now. And that's how it really feels to be deaf, right? So mm-hmm. that's pretty great. Is it you're sort of stuck between these two worlds? So he doesn't quite fit back into the life that he had hoped he would be able to, right? Um, yeah. After doing what he did, and then he's not sure he wants to settle necessarily for this brand new community life, right? Yeah, I like that. I, I, I like that it was open ended. Yeah, and I, I think it didn't make any judgments. Like it showed this community the way it is, and didn't necessarily, yeah, and didn't judge them for it either. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like it showed the community in a very positive light. I was like, this seems like a really nice, loving group of people. Well, until they kick you out because you decide something else. Yeah, but I feel like part of it's like you agree, you go there and you agree to yeah. the circumstances. Because it's even like when they're in there and, and he's, they say like, because this, I know it's a thing too, but it's like, no talk, like they don't talk, don't use your mouth. Like they don't want you to use your mouth. Or talk, you know, you know, because it's like, yeah, we wanna, yeah, I we agree. I just even think the playing also, field a bit. Yeah, but it's also very harsh to be like, you have to leave immediately. And I, I understand. I'm just saying that it is kind of. I also took that because he was, he got into the drug thing then at that point where he was like, you sound, you you're sound, sound like, like an, an addict. addict. 
Mm-hmm. And he was like, and this and that. And I think that he didn't trust him, that he wasn't doing that and was like, you got to go. Yeah. And that's why I think it's I, a fair, balanced view. But I think you can look at it and say, wow, harsh, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I just I just took it as it was more about the drugs or as much about the drugs potentially as it was about that, you know, because it was the conversation. Yeah, or, was or, like, hey, I wouldn't well. even say the, the drugs, but just violating yes, the understanding. Because like, like, like if you went to like rehab, right, mm-hmm. like, you know, hearing quote, rehab and you disappeared for 24 hours, yeah. they'd be like, get out exactly yeah. you know yeah. that's the thing is we don't have a lot of room and it's like you know someone else that wants to be here will be here then so i i know that i i mean friends and this and that that i know have gone to rehab places and things like that it, it is very cutthroat like that so it took it that i took it more that way than just about the hearing but it might have been i who knows but, yeah either way i i think it's worth certainly worth watching and yeah yeah, yeah. I think it was great. What what are the best movies this year? New? Yeah, I really I think so. Yeah, which I don't know in a quote regular year if I would say that, but I would say it's still a good, a very good movie. Agreed. And then speaking of really <laughs> good movies, we watched The Godmother. Oh no, no we watched oh, oh happily Christmas Ever After. Christmas Ever After. I really liked Christmas Ever After. Did you really though? I did. Like un- how did you unironically? feel about the acting? Yeah, unironically, like how did you feel about the acting in it? Oh, I mean, it's the same cheesy Christmas movie as them all. So, yeah. I, I thought she was not very good. And I'm very sorry to say that. But, I, like, possibly. And I couldn't decide if she was worse than other. I, this is that tier of Lifetime movie that I tend not to watch. Because I feel like it's not so bad that I have to see it. But it's not so high production value that I'm like, oh, it's a, you know, it's trying to be a, what was the other, a happiest season or something like that. And so yeah. I don't know if I've had enough exposure to this type of film. But... There were moments in it that I was just like, this is so cringe. And, and, and she's trying. And I know she's trying. And that's what scares me. Yeah, that oh, was. Yeah. I mean, she's a stage actress. And that I always find them so awkward on film. Like, so I guess I was expecting sort of an overacting situation. She didn't bug me all that much, but I agree in the way that like I, my struggles here are that it is in that in between where I like my movie like this to be a total hot mess or to Mm -hmm. be something like the happiest season, which I actually thought was just kind of like a normal movie that happens to take place around the holidays, you know? So Mm -hmm. this felt like it wasn't bad enough to laugh at, but it wasn't good enough for me to like want to watch it again. So it's in that middle in, in between for me where I was like, oh, okay. I thought the plot was, ooh, very, very thin. <laughs> and I was very sad about that because I was just like, the plot deserved the Hallmark movie treatment. Like it, the plot was like, I mean, it was, you know, it was thin. But <laughs> but then- We should we should actually, yeah. I doubt other people have seen this. So we True. should contextualize it. So the idea is this writer goes, every year goes to this random town to spend Christmas at yeah, a B&B. Hotel, in, yeah. And she's a romance author and she has a, also, she has a book due that's supposed to come out for the holidays that she has to turn on in Christmas. on Christmas. I'm I like, was like, that's what? not how publishing works. It was like this third, I, the third <laughs> deadline extension. It was like, yeah, the, it's supposed to come out for the holidays. So I need it by Christmas. Well, when is it going to be on shows? Yeah, well, I think Christmas it comes out a year later. It comes out a year later. Because remember it said one year later and then she was signing him. I guess. That's okay. I'll give you that. But it's it made it then, seem like. Does it have it to be do. on a holiday? No, that part's really. That's what dumb. I mean. Is but, like, but, but it does like, take a year. The basically. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay, so she goes to this retreat. The, the place she's been going for however many years is undergoing renovations because the son of the owner is there and he looks exactly like. And the owner's the retiring. on the cover. Yeah, the owner's retiring. And he, the son looks exactly like the person who is on the cover of her romance novels. 
and she has decided that he is a you know prince charming knight in shining armor i i just they did not have any chemistry for me that was the other thing oh yeah i didn't see that so they had they had zero chemistry i will say and i think that you know my like of it comes from a place of having always desperately wanted you know a rom-com featuring someone who uses a wheelchair where the plot is not about her using her wheelchair so to not me, even a mention. they didn't one time ask her about it. It had no bearing on the film. You even see her driving mm-hmm. and just being a normal person who happens to be like a romance novelist and does all this stuff and has friends and everyone just expects her to be able to do everything they can do. Yeah, I thought that was successful. I thought they almost went overboard in the lack of a better PC department because the sister of the owner, the daughter of the owner and the sister of the, like the main guy is a lesbian. And they're just very aggressively, like when when the the main character <laughs> runs into this sister when we first meet her, she's like, "How's your wife?" <laughs> like, you know, not yeah, just, just like cash, it's you know? a woman, but we're not going to draw attention to that. <laughs> we're just going to very aggressively yell, "How's your wife?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I, feel I, that. I got what they were doing. I think yeah. it's just the execution. I think it had, as someone who also enjoys cheesy romance novels, the plot was very thin and very cringeworthy in a lot of places, but. I think I think it just holds a place in my heart because I've wanted something like this for so long. And I think right. that like it just means something to me to see that. And of course, I wish it was a better movie. I'm not saying that like I, I don't understand that it's not a great film, but just the the little things of like him holding her hand, you know, while they're mm-hmm. walking and like stuff you don't. Yeah, no, I, I think that's super fair. And I think where I'm coming from is like, I'm like, I wanted more for you, right? Like I wanted if this was going to be the Lifetime movie about if any movie about this, right? Like it's, it's I not. I think it was, it was Lifetime like level though, right? So the thing right. is, is, as much as of course I want, um you know, a Sandra Bullock level rom-com that everyone watches and loves and 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 has a cult following but i think that they didn't skimp on anything in this right so i I think it's the same quality of basically yeah i think it got the same treatment as the other ones i think for me it's like okay well if this is going to be the one could we not have put a little more extra care into it sure i mean but i also just kind of love the idea that they just casted an actress who happened to also use a wheelchair you know and did the same quality stuff that they always do I mean, they, <laughs> that's, so it's it, very fair. You know, it didn't rise above it, but it it didn't lower in any way. It wasn't pandering in any way. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel. I mean, it was a little bit of a bummer in some ways because they did not tackle any of the accessibility. I mean, like they show the lodge and there's like a giant staircase to get in the lodge, but then the next scene, she's just in the lobby, and it's like, okay. Do, I mean, we don't necessarily have to show her how she gets in, but it was just things like that where they just sort of like skim over these very obvious or like when they're bowling um, and there's a step up to get into the bowling lane. So like mm-hmm. she's down chatting with the daughter or whatever. And then she's suddenly just up on the platform where you throw the ball. Well, there was a step there and she can't do that on her own. So right. like things like that, they, they definitely shied away from. But I will say that like just even seeing her driving was pretty great. Yeah, I I think for me, because I was watching it with the lens of wanting to support you, um, you know, because this was your pick for this. I was like, 
I did, I did notice the, and I don't think of maybe somebody who's not familiar with like wheelchair users would notice, but I immediately, when I saw the place, I was like, where's the ramp? She can't get into this place. Where's the ramp? And they kept being like room four or, or and they kept acting like there were like stairs involved. I was like, how did she, this place is too small to have an elevator. <laughs> like what, why would you put her on a room that like, you know, it, it's just little concerns like that, that I think if they had addressed, not addressed those, but if they'd thought ahead and like shown a ramp or shown whatever that it would have made it that much more committed to totally like, but yeah. there is like i said i i enjoyed it for the fact that it's literally just a script for a lifetime movie that they happen to cast ali stroker in yeah there's um, something to be said about all those things and it's like but we're still just seeing her exist and not have mm-hmm. to be like showing we didn't see anything they didn't show anything that she had to do that made her life different from other people's aside from when she's driving, you see she's got the hand control going on, but yeah. you know she's just having a totally normal cheesy experience at this place, and so that was cool. But I could, but yeah, I totally get all that, and it, I, it just for me, it just goes back to like I think Lifetime movies that I've watched are worse than this. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, I mean, I've been recording all the holiday ones and stuff, and it's like and I'm laughing this- at all of them. And this one didn't make me laugh in a bad. Hallmark ones are bad or worse. I think. I think. Lifetime oh yeah, Hallmark's is... Hallmark's the cream of the crop when it comes to that stuff. But yeah. I, the, the lifetime. I did I've laugh out loud at something she said, and I don't remember what. It, oh, when she was, like, and it's the dumbest thing. But she was like, she literally he says something, and she literally says basically to his face the character in her novel's name is like so and so wouldn't do that. Yes, <laughs> oh, that God. that drove it me was nuts. Just like a level of like. Yeah. But then I kind of laughed it off because I, I, as a person, tend to care about fictional characters more than real humans. So, but her character was so self-centered because she would just monologue to people. They'd be like, "Yeah, what type of cookies do you want?" She'd be like, "Well, I have to finish my story yeah, by Christmas." I'm like, "That's not that's not what the question that's was. Not at all what anyone, no one." But, heard, yeah, you know? I also <laughs> hated. I hated that editor slash best friend lady making her cancel her Christmas plans to get. It's like, well, who the hell cares where I am when I'm writing this? As long as I get you, get it to you by the deadline, you don't need to worry about where I am, what I'm doing. Awkward. And And then, then like, like, when dad calls and he's like, well, if it's a work trip, make sure you're expensing. And it's like, that's not how this works. You're not expensing stuff. You're going somewhere, but you are, you're freelance. (laughs) You're writing something. Well, and it was also very strange that these books that had the same character in them for four series, like four consecutive books, suddenly needs to develop more personality. It just seems like, like, if I that's know. what's selling well, All that's what people want to read. Okay. They exactly. wanna read nobody, this, wants, like, nobody wants that one dimensional character. Right. Okay. Yeah. Like he doesn't need to, he doesn't need to be re- more real in this yeah. new book. So that's what was sort of bizarre for me there. So I think maybe what I partially wanted was something more absurd because again, like I said, this falls yeah. into that weird middle ground yeah. for me, right? I wanted him actually to be the manifestation me too. of Agreed. this character. I was really me hoping too. for that. I, and my favorite, was... some of my favorite ones are what, yeah, it's like, it's a ghost. Yeah, well, I'll never get over the one where she the... falls in love with a snowman. Like yes. A person, like a snowman. I need it. Like, that's, that's what, what I, need. I wanted from this. And, yeah. and then because this was grounded in such a different, like a more real kind of reality thing, I was like, what human meets this guy and doesn't immediately assume that he is the guy on the cover like that you know, it's, like, it's like wait what like like hello or wonder oh he must be the guy you know and have the conversation right away like holy crap like look at this you look whatever and then I was like also I know it was his wife and whatever but these books are not getting published without getting this guy's likeness like I'm sorry it's just not happening you don't get yeah. to just like have your face you see lawsuits all the time from celebrities who are like hey that video game character looks too much like me you know like it's a thing where it's like you can't that doesn't fly and these are best-selling books, and I'm not saying he had to have heard of them, but I'm. But this this 
house is yeah, when has, they're has when they're no getting one else this in art, his life been like by the way you right. you well, know what, you're on a book cover exactly right? and when they're getting the art from his wife which by the way if she's now deceased i don't know how they have this art that they're just using like they're like okay well we have a new we have this other art that we're just going to use even though she's deceased oh, well, no, they said they yet. said there's a replacement artist who's been like oh who's been doing oh, basing that's what it, was. it yeah oh, okay. basing it off the original got it i missed that that. the original that's artist was why do i yeah. remember this like no that's <laughs> good because that because that was driving me crazy because again because we're in that middle ground if this was i just wanted this to be the character from the book and it was like and yeah. i wanted to just be like cringe laughing like what is this movie i almost would have liked the representation part of it even more in that respect because it's being so just like oh my god this is just one of those crazy christmas movies or again if it was like this thing that i could imagine seeing in theaters i wanted yeah again it's great that it exists that way but i wanted i wanted one of those two things and i didn't get either of them and i was just sad yeah i think i had the right expectation so i think that's why i enjoyed it that's fair for me it was probably a a question of expectations the trailer made me think it was the guy from the book so like I don't know if right. I just didn't watch I mean, it thoroughly, I was, but I was hoping for it to be more ridiculous than it was. Yeah. Um, but the trailer made it look but, that way to me. But yeah. but I wasn't like when you sent it, both Matt and I were like, "Did you write this? Did you secretly?" Write oh my god, it? I, I was like, "What?" Because is it looked this? so absurd, and it's it was so it was absurd. just it would have been so good. And so I think that tampered with my expectations. I, I knew they were going to try to get her to sing, and then they did, which was fair. I thought that she is a much better singer than she. Oh, is I mean, that's why she does. Broadway, right? So yeah, I was lucky enough to actually see her in one of her last performances for Oklahoma because I went to New York in January. So that was the last time I <laughs> almost a year ago. went on a trip. But uh, I did get to see her in Oklahoma, and she was fantastic in it. I just think that usually, and I don't know. I mean, some people can probably do it really well. I'm sure. But a lot of Broadway people, to me, when they try to go into films, are just ridiculous. Yeah, this was not clean execution. And and in fairness. I will be set up for my own disappointment next week because there's a, an Asian-led one that will probably be just as terrible, if not more, in that it <laughs> won't be super absurd and like mythical or whatever, and it won't be amazing. And so it's not the same, but I get where you're coming from in some senses of, I want this to be enjoyable for me, but I also like, I, I also don't feel like there's enough quality, you know, Run is a, a higher quality film with representation, right? Like I want there to be more of those before we hit the lifetime. <laughs> like- 100%. I would, I would love, love, love more representation basically on all levels. So yeah. Um, we need that narrative plenitude. It's a start. It's one of those yeah. things that I just enjoy that they hired her to do it. And I, thought it was fun and and getting to see some of that stuff on screen for me was was very nice so 13 year old jackie would have been really happy general question when it comes to these why do the guys almost always not always but more often than not are single fathers like what do we think the logic is there i think it's one of those things where guys are hotter when they're taking care of something when they're softer yeah i think it's like this idea that oh he is clearly ready for commitment he's not like this playboy Mm. sleeping around this and that he's got a daughter he was married and she died and all this whatever and i'm here i can save him okay yeah in that kind of way i think it's a bit of a savior and he's clearly capable of commitment and love yeah and he only lost it because you know she well and and when you watch someone and he knows how to take care of someone because he's taking care of his Mm -hmm. daughter you know very valid i i always get a little frustrated because i'm like Actually, so the other movie we watched that we aren't going to go too much into is Godmothered, which is a Disney Plus original. And I was like, I feel like women are penalized when they are single mothers mm-hmm. more. They are not considered sexual creatures as opposed to hot single dads. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. you automatically, um, yeah, you automatically assume they're they're in over their head and 
they can't, you know, she was. Yeah, they need, was, they need saving. She was but a like mess of a the... human, like, you know, as yeah. far as being able to balance professional life. She passed up an amazing opportunity in her career because she wouldn't have been able to be a mother. Whereas you watch Enchanted and Patrick Dempsey has his, his shit completely together. It's fine. Yeah. As Adina Menzel is his girlfriend's soon fiance, or she is his fiance, and is totally fine. You know, but it's 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 weird they do it. I mean, it's not weird. We know why they do it, but 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 I think it's like the the expectation that you cannot be a sexual creature if you are totally. a mother or a single mother is an unfair double standard. Where it's like, oh, it's okay. The guys can like yeah. totally you, do it, but if woman, you're a widow, you, yeah, and it, you know, and take it, care of the kids and don't think with your lady parts ever. Yeah, sure. And if you're because if you're a woman coming with kids means you come with baggage. You know, if you're a guy coming with kids means you're sensitive and soft. <laughs> I mean, it, it's just it's true. all into it's, the double standards yeah, and yeah. stuff. But yeah, double baggage. So they're like, oh, I don't want to mess with that. So it's like you're immediately not sexual. Right. I'm not speaking from experience. I'm just meaning that's what. <laughs> I personally find single dads less hot because I'm not interested in raising other people's children. So that for me, I'm like, I just feel like a lot of the times somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like a lot of the sort of lifetime cleaner romance ones are predicated on this idea of first loves or, you know, that idea of your first marriage and Mm -hmm. in a more antiquated sense, like potentially you're both virgins or something like that. Like maybe not now in these movies, but beforehand it would be like, oh, okay, like this is your first major relationship. Mm -hmm. And so having these women not be able to have sexual experiences, but they're with these men who clearly already have, right. you know, I'm like, it's so not fair. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a, it's a big, liberate the women of lifetime. Standard. That's my, that's my yeah. <laughs> message. Yeah. Well, when just women in, you know, in general, in these in movies general. and liberate yeah. everyone who was involved in godmothering, liberate them all. They Don't make them, them ever think they need to do something like that. Look, as bad as it was, I thought Jillian Bell was trying her best. Oh, she was, but she deserves so much better than that. I love her. Yes. And she, ooh, woof. It was, it woof. was rough. It was hard. There that were, was a, there were a, a couple movie. jokes I laughed at that were yeah. just, because they committed so hard to them. Yeah. That I was like, nah. I, 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 I think if both. I had wine, I, I would have liked it. Oh, yeah. I, think, I, I think if I had one. I was wine. not sober when yeah. I watched it. That's so. the thing is, if I, I wasn't, wasn't sober, sober I, I, yeah. I, had, I think I was high and I didn't like it. I don't know. Yeah, I think if I was if I was inebriated in some way that I think I would have enjoyed it personally because I got through it sober, but I was just, wow, I wish I knew I needed alcohol or something for this. Whereas even though the trailer didn't look great to me, I, I love Enchanted and obviously it's just a rehash and I just thought, okay, maybe it'll be half as cute as Enchanted. <laughs> And it wasn't. It was the 16th, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe a 16th. And it just, yeah, it was a lot it of It tried practice. very, very hard, though. I, I rewrote it. I also rewrote the story in my head in a way that I thought <laughs> was so much more effective, like, while while watching it. I rewrote it. So what, I don't know if it would have been better. Well, I would like to know changes. what your rewrite Yeah. Well, so the basic the basis of the plot here is, like, Godmother School, and she's the, the only new recruit in how many years? hundred Over Lots 100 years, years. Something crazy. And godmothering is just not something that is needed as much anymore. So they're just, they're going to close the portals and all of them are going to become tooth fairies, right? And right. so she decides to go into this library and have this horrifying, horrifying scene of CGI, her flying <laughs> it around. It was so bad. It was so looking bad. For, looking for a letter. First of all, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, so please correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't know a single child in my childhood or anyone I've met as an adult who writes letters to, the, to a godmother. <laughs> like who looks who's asking for a godmother maybe i guess i don't yeah. know it just was weird to me so i was like first of all this should be something where these godmothers are being sent on assignment 
like you watch Cinderella, right? Which is one of the most quintessential godmother roles, if you ask me. She didn't ask for a godmother. She's there and her life just went to complete shreds. And a godmother shows up and is like, hey, girl, let's, let's fix this. I'm going to, so, we're going to spitball in this note session. I would say the way you could do it is if they were like bubbles or something like that, that were birthday wishes encapsulated. Yes, exactly. But yes, not like a letter that that's written. Amazing. But things yeah. that are like, this person needs a godmother. This person needs a godmother, blah, 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 blah. But like and a dear godmother evil, letter. Yeah, right, sure. and if this evil ruler lady who turned out not being evil but just misguided, whatever, who created the book on on godmothering, if if she just decided she was whatever was going wrong, and she just decided to stop to start hiding these things and just didn't want to help the kids anymore because the world was going to crap and they didn't we didn't deserve them or whatever, I don't know, whatever. But or like maybe she just wanted to retire. I think that's a valid like totally or retire. And my thing was. I liked that the Jillian was, she was new, a new godmother, like younger. And, and she was, you know, everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, whatever. And I would have been appreciative if the plot was like, maybe they had to go on final assignment and it's like, okay, you got to go and you be a godmother. And then she got assigned Isla Fisher as like a hopeless case kind of thing, whatever. Mm. And then she had or to Or maybe she got assigned like, like a really old wish, just like it's a really old letter. You know what I mean? Like, right. And but it, it turns out exactly. she has like old... an intentional foil as a right. to, yeah, to exactly. see what yeah. she could do with mean. it. Yeah, thinking yeah. like thinking like, oh, she sucks, so let's just like oust her. So they assign her to this woman who's so cynical and does not want a godmother anymore anyway. I don't know. Not that it would have been a perfect film, but I just thought it would have the plot would have worked better for me. But then it just it got so preachy and then gosh, when the daughter with the singing and she was like Oh, yeah. You know, Godmother was leaving or whatever, his Jillian or his Isla Fisher was like, We don't need you anymore. And the girl's like, Well, you 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 never tell me that I can do it, but she did, and blah blah whatever. And she goes, okay, well if you need her, let's find her. I was like, no, bitch, she needs you to tell her she can do it. Like it was just yeah. so weird. So we had to go find her and get this horrible sequence with a watermelon, and and then the shots of the girl singing. There was there were all the shots when she was not close up on her. You could see her mouth wasn't moving correctly. The 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 lip flap. I just to the songs. It just was like this is not. This is a bad film, and I feel very sad about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, okay. There was one joke that I did appreciate their commitment to, and that was the sort of like three steps of godmothering. It's like oh. one, two, and then you skip to the end, happily ever after. And she keeps doing like, well, what's, how do you get to the happily ever after? And they just won't answer the question. I was like, that is yeah. a relatively funny that. pointing out yeah. of the trope yeah. of these things all conveniently tie up at the end. Totally. Because yeah. the no, beauty no, of Enchanted is that Disney's making fun of this thing that they kind of created in cinema, you know? Like it yeah. existed in stories, but they kind of brought to the forefront in cinema that they're kind of making fun of that in Enchanted. And it's like, this was that opportunity and almost an attempt to do the same thing again. And instead you just like recycled a lot of the plot ideas from Enchanted and made it just like you said, maybe a 16th as good. And I just, yeah. and why are we committing to things? Why are we making things that have CGI like this in 2020? So if bad. you need CGI for the project, and you're not going to give the budget to do it correctly, don't do the project. What would have actually been funnier in this, because you do have that sort of fairy tale whole thing, is if you'd done like a paper cutout and just like a kid's puppet show or something, right? Oh. Of just like a little like puppet cutout of a, a fairy, you know, or paper cutout like zinging across a room and like a human, this kind of popsicle stick. Or like have a kid retelling the story, you yes. know, like that's how something. we got our fairy godmother, but like do yeah. it lo-fi. Yeah, and just embrace. Yeah, no, I okay, I agree. This is more time than I thought we were going to spend. I'm sorry, yeah, but it just it really missed for me. <laughs> no, so no, it was... not in a bad way, but I I agree. Like, I'm just like, yeah, we're giving this more credit than it's. I mean, I love Jillian Bell. I love Isla Fisher. I hope they got good paychecks for this. They I tried. Hope so. I just, it makes me sad because I feel like they both, Isla Fisher for a lot of her career, I feel like has had to suffer a little bit of kind of being in 
Amy Adams shadow because people think mm-hmm. they look so similar and mm-hmm. yeah. you know, you know, they don't. But they have similarities, but you know, Amy kind of catapulted and Isla kind of got left behind in a way. Like she does things, but I feel like the spotlight couldn't be on her because it's on Amy, kind of a thing. And then Jillian is kind of up and coming. She's you know been around for a minute, but she's she's starting to get into people's minds a little bit more and kind of can be that leading lady in a movie. And it's something where I felt like they both were like, oh, amazing, this is our Disney moment. And then it's this, and it's just and I feel bad. That. Well. For, for Isla, I'm like, okay, you know, I believe she has kids yeah. uh, with Sasha Baron Cohen, of all people. I know. Which is, what a great Imagine. couple. Imagine. I could see her being like, okay, I'll do this for my kids, right? Yes. Like, because she's been in other comedies and they, they're R-rated. Yeah. And so this is a family wholesome thing. For Jillian Bell, I was like, what? What are you doing? Because I don't, I associate her with a dirtier sense of comedy, like a 100%. more adult thing and so seeing her sort of transcend and commit to like I again I think she did a decent job in this and so committing to this character that is so out of her norm I just feel like reading that script though you know I could I could actually see it as a script being better than it was in execution because some of those jokes like were very punny and stuff like that and so if you read that and you imagined it and it was like oh I get it you know where are the coaches you know where are the horsemen that could be funnier than how it ended up being visually represented yeah. yeah no i agree and it's it's i don't know and i don't know who exactly is to blame or what and if everyone's to blame i don't know what it is but i i'm just sad i'm not mad at jillian i'm not mad at isla but i'm sad for <laughs> both of them yeah and everyone else, yeah to be honest so a, a, a relatively rough week this week but sound of metal and mandalorian i think are, are good standouts good. yeah mandalorian is getting us through this thing it is oh, it is and we just more. have to hope that that it ends in a way that doesn't make 2021 <sighs> Worse than 2020. <laughs> Why would you say that? Why would you say that? Just saying. They have the power. Uh, it's okay. At least in 2021, we'll get WandaVision to mess with the timelines completely. And then. Sure. That sounds yeah. good. That's hope. I have to hold on to that thought. Otherwise, doomed. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both. All right. Thanks for having us. Why would you say that? <laughs> thank you, as always, to Jackie and Matt for that discussion. And now a couple of follow-up points. First off, turns out The Mandalorian only takes place five years after Return of the Jedi, but about 30 years before Force Awakens. And that's from Jon Favreau, who is, of course, the mastermind of most of this. So that doesn't give us a lot of clarity whether or not it would lean towards a Luke Skywalker showing up or an Ezra from Rebels showing up because they are both existing in this time, it sounds like. We're going to have to wait and find out. For the film Mank, the actor who plays Orson Welles is named Tom Burke, and the show he was on is called Strike, which, as we mentioned, was based on the Cormoran Strike books, which are from J.K. Rowling. It aired on the BBC, and Cinemax in the U.S. is actually the ones who aired it here. So just heads up, although we're not necessarily encouraging you to go out and watch that because we are not supporting J.K. Rowling. And then finally, as for Sound of Metal and the actor who plays Joe, the counselor in it, his name is Paul Racy, and he himself is hearing, but his parents were not, so he grew up in a deaf home. He called himself sort of a conduit for them because he would do a lot of translating. And in terms of parallels to his characters, uh, it sounds like he did actually go to Vietnam and he has had firsthand experience with addiction. So there's a ton of reasoning for him to play this character and also his immersion in growing up in deaf culture. And there's a great interview with him in IndieWire where he also talks about the distinction between deaf culture and not being hearing. And you can not be hearing but not be a part of deaf culture, right? But end of the day, yes, he does currently have his hearing. So that has been our episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you would leave us a rating or a review or even consider subscribing.